All righty. Good afternoon, everyone. We are here with my mentor, Blaine Bartlett. Learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM. That's for the Mindset Mastermind. Hold on and control your mindset, your heart set, and your handset with my hero and mentor, Blaine Bartlett. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Hey, always a pleasure. Every Thursday, whether we need to or not. I love it. We never need to. We want to. We get to. I never got to when it comes to Blaine Bartlett. You may feel that way, but never me. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, Don, we look, I was going to say, if we look downtown on us right now, we got my friend downtown Don Brown, and he's here with Life Omic. And, uh, you know, Don, I'm on a crusade of non-negotiables, and I'm trying to re-engineer re people uh, to have non-negotiables in their life and to make uh, that non-negotiable number one our health. And the reason that I believe that is that the most valuable thing that we have in our lifetime is the ability to wish. Uh, and if you are healthy, you get a million wishes a day, as many as you want. Uh, but if you're unhealthy, as we even saw some with the, you know, great uh, people like Steve Jobs, when he was unhealthy, he only had one wish. Um, and he is definitely a dreamer and a wisher who manifested so many dreams, all of us. And to see his life end with only one wish, uh, to me, was a tragedy. And what you're doing uh, with your company is providing wishes. You are the Disneyland of applications, <laughs> just making all the wishes come true. For you, where did your epiphany and impetus on health come into play with your extraordinary corporate background that you've had? Well, you know, I guess it's been a little bit uh, uh, multifaceted. You know, I, I went through med school many years ago and uh, took an unexpected turn into the software industry and kind of forgot about, you know, healthcare and health and stuff in, in general. But, uh, you know, going through my uh, mom's battle with Parkinson's uh, when she uh, turned uh, 80, kind of, uh, you know, reintroduced the whole notion to me. She was a vibrant little lady from the hills of Kentucky, you know, and on her 80th birthday, I visited her and she was nailing shingles up on her, uh, the roof of her house. Uh, and then, you know, I, shortly after that, she was diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's and to see kind of the downward spiral, you know, it really kind of uh, woke me up or rewoke me to the importance of health. Yeah. The, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to circle back to you. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. I love the way that you framed that. Yeah. If we don't have health, we've got one wish and that is to have good health and everything else becomes secondary. Yeah. Dan, I mean, you, you right now with you know, Lifeomic, you've got a platform, I think, that is able to keep people, fo I mean, energy follows attention and yeah, keeping our attention on what's important, good health. You know, I mean, there's nothing more basic than that. Describe a little bit about how that platform works and just how easy it is to you know, actually keep it in front of people in a, in, a, uh, in a tangible way. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I went back through grad school at the ripe old age of about 60, you know, and uh, went through a biotech program at Johns Hopkins and really just became fascinated about some of the emerging science about, you know, the things that can help our health. And they're really awfully simple. You know, they're things that I think our grandparents knew intuitively to get good exercise, not to be overweight, you know, eat lots of healthy plants, get good sleep, 
try to relax and not stress yourself out. And then one that I'm a huge fan of, uh, intermittent fasting, which for my grandparents was just after dinner, you don't eat again until breakfast the next day. You know, my grand, mm-hmm. my grandmother would say, "The kitchen's closed." You know, you kids get out of here. You know, I fed you. You're not going to eat again until breakfast. And uh, unfortunately, we've gotten away from that with our uh, modern uh, lifestyles, and uh, we suffer as a result. You know, you talk and about your. Right? Oh, yeah, right, go ahead, David. Right. No, no, finish, no, no. Right. I was just saying, okay, Richard. Yeah, the platform. Right. Yeah, how, how does it? Keep- Flip you for it. <laughs> go go for it. Go for it, my friend. No, I was going to say age before beauty, and then you talked again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> go ahead, Blake. Go ahead. I, I know where you're going. No, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, your, your platform, yeah, Lifeomic. I mean, I, yeah, my, my grandmother said the same thing, by the way. Yeah. Kitchen's closed. My mom said the same thing. Kitchen's closed. Um, what does it make possible? That you know, in today's overprocessed you know, environment, I mean, the food is overprocessed. There's really, I mean, it's, it's calorically rich, nutritionally poor, and you know, as a consequence, diabetes is going through the roof. I mean, yeah. we've got all of this. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. What, what's going on with Lifeomics so that uh, you can actually get in front of that uh, that that's that dynamic and possibly, hopefully, help turn that thing around a little bit. Well, we started off building a cloud platform that we uh, use at uh, uh, several uh, cancer research centers and uh, uh, cancer treatment centers. So we, we built our first uh, our platform first for cancer, you know, to be able to analyze the genetic information and try to help researchers and oncologists uh, pinpoint the mutations driving a particular cancer. And these days we can give precision treatment in many cases to help uh, cure cancer. So what we did was we uh, built a top that a mobile app that kind of gamifies these practices that through my research and others at our, our company, you know, we've, we've settled on five kind of keys to good health that, you know, kind of cover the, the ground that uh, I mentioned and underpinning, underpinning all of it is this cloud platform where we can aggregate, uh, you know, blood test measurements and even information about your genetics to help you understand your risk and, uh, 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 under, identify the things that you can do to mitigate your risk, to redur- reverse, say, type 2 diabetes. And John, you know, uh, Blaine being my mindset coach has helped me so much know what I am in control of and how to clear some interference between me and the possibilities, probability, my own perspective. But our family, you had mentioned your grandparents, uh, you went to med school, I went to law school. I you know, shocked my family when I got involved in the internet in 1992. And, you know, I look backwards and it's quite obvious that the decisions that I made to follow what I wanted, not what other people wanted for me, even if they loved me more than I love myself, uh, <laughs> that I made the right decision. Um, and, you know, looking at you as you kind of separated yourself from medicine and getting into software, First company in Indiana to go public, $200 million exit with IBM. Then the next one was $1.4 billion exit with Genesis. Um, throughout that process, have you ever wavered your mindset? And what advice of mindset would you give to a young entrepreneur that has, you know, maybe a high basement like you or myself? You know, our skills, our knowledge determine that basement, but we know inherently within us that we have an unbelievable potential or desire 
you know, what mindset did you use to obviously believe in yourself when those around you probably were questioning your choices? I, well, I, I think that's certainly a key principle to decide what you want out of life and don't let anybody talk you out of it. You know, we all we all, we all get one shot here. We're here for just a pitifully short period of time. And so, you know, you just need to decide what you want and just go for it, uh, regardless of what anybody else has to say about it. And if you fall flat on your face, you fall flat on your face. So that's, so the heck what, you know, I, you know, you talk about my successes, I've certainly had my share of failures too. And, uh, you know, most successful people have. And so it's, you know, it's just this kind of dogged perseverance and I tell you, for me, more than anything, what drives me is just a curiosity about the world. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I'm as amazed when I get up in the morning as I was when I was five years old. And I just hope that I, I never uh, lose that. Yeah, that, that curiosity. Um, I mean, if there's a single trait that every entrepreneur I've ever worked with possesses, so, yeah. It is curiosity. Even the ones that are falling flat on their feet, they get curious about, okay, yeah, what tripped me? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, why is that other dude successful? And I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, ex that, no, it's exactly. I, I think yeah, it was interesting. I just got a, uh, an email this week. I, I followed the Peter Atia broadcast and uh, he has uh, had one, I don't know if I can find it uh, quickly. Oh, it's, is lack of curiosity an age-related condition? <laughs> and I just thought that's such a fascinating idea that, you know, so many people uh, our age, if I were to lump us into the same bucket, just you, you look in there, they don't they don't learn anymore. They're not curious yeah. anymore. And it, what a horrible way to, to live. I, I, I think it, you know, it, it really uh, is reflective of some pathological process that robs people of that sort of curiosity. And it's just yeah. so important to maintain that. Well, you know, you people, you know, I, 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 you know, people get in a rut. And then and this is what you know, shows up yeah. with you know, people that are our age. Yeah, you know, a lot of people that aren't aren't who we are. And I kind of make that a declaration here. But they get in a rut. And a rut's nothing more than a coffin with the end kick out. And that's all a rut. <laughs> I love it's that. With the end kick out. so true. <laughs> and... Curiosity is the way out of that rut. It's yeah. You know, I was yeah. You know, this last weekend, I was um, out uh, with Bob Proctor, you know, mentor of both you know, David's and mine. Yeah, you know, spent uh, spent the weekend with him at his home, and yeah, you know, I've known Bob for years. And Bob's eighty-seven. He was one of the most curious people I have ever met in my life. He, he he's always looking under rocks. He's always opening cupboard doors. What's behind here? What's in there? How does this work? And he's vibrant, he's alive, he's creative. And uh, that, that curiosity is, and, and it's a function of good health in large part. And I, mean, I keep coming back to this good health piece because I was really struck, Dave, by you know, just the way you positioned that. How many choices do I have in my life? Well, I, I got a lot of choices. Choices get informed by decisions and decisions come before choices if you're doing it right, if you're, if you're smart about this. You set a decision up, that is linked to a, a valued outcome. And then it you know, kind of winnows out you know, all these squirrel choices. Squirrel, squirrel, you know, keeps me focused, keeps me in direction. My health and well-being is one decision that I don't want to give up. 
I make, you know, I, I make decisions that are fostering my health and well-being, and then that eliminates choices that, well, I don't need that candy bar. Uh, I sure would like yeah. to have it, but I don't need it. <laughs> yep. Well, and I think there's a synergy. I think it's a kind of a bi-directional relationship between health and curiosity, right? You have mm -hmm. to be healthy to be curious, but being curious helps your health. Uh, you know, being curious, you know, reading, learning, we're, you know, we understand the importance of that in um, reducing our risk for Alzheimer's and other dementias, you know, so yeah. curiosity impacts our health as well. Yeah, and curiosity is also a catalyst to creativity, uh, which is the function of living, of creating more, of expanding, growing and accelerating, which I think is phenomenal. And I was saying, you know, it reminds me, Don, when, you know, I was pre-med because my mom was a doctor, lawyer, failure type of mom, a typical Jewish mom, I should say. Um, <laughs> and I went to visit my older uh, brother who was a doctor. And that's when I learned the importance of curiosity because I told him at 18 years old as I walked into the hospital to visit him, he, I looked so depressed. He said, Dave, what's the matter? I said, I hate hospitals. He said, Dave, you're going to be a doctor. I said, I know, but I'm going to be a sports doctor. I'm going to be on the field in the locker room. I'm never going to be in a hospital. And he looked at me and he said, and I tell people all the time, the best lesson I've ever learned, to be more interested than interesting. In other words, he was saying, Dave, you got to be curious, brother. you got to create what you want in your life by being curious, by being more interested in everything. And one of the fears that I have is one that you're actually utilizing and have utilized to make billions of dollars and help millions of people is that the interesting thing is technology for the first time I believe in history uh, has outdone our curiosity that has outdone our imagination. So there's things that exist in technology that we can't imagine. And I hear it all. Oh my God, can you believe this? It, I, I, this can't be real, you, you know, and it is, you know, and so where, where do you see someone who has this medical background, this health interest, as well as the technology background, where do you see this reconciliation between the superior exponentially growing technology and data that we have with this idea of curiosity and creativity? Well, yeah, you know, so many thoughts there. Obviously, technology has done many wonderful things. You know, pernicious effect of technology and say Google in particular is kind of a devaluation of knowledge. Um, you know, I, as I was going through my master's degree, uh, master's program in biotechnology recently at Johns Hopkins, I, I had, I won't, won't identify the person, but somebody who I, you know, did a quick Google search on a complex topic and came back and totally discounted anything I had to say, because who cares if I had spent three or four years studying for something, they could go to Google, you know, look up a quick factoid and come back and say, well, dude, I don't care. You know, I, I got this. So I can search this off the, the Internet. Of course, they had no depth of understanding, no, no framework to be able to uh, put that in to, to really uh, gain a deeper understanding. But I, I think that's been a pernicious, pernicious uh, effect. Uh, this devaluation of expertise and, and of knowledge that, uh, you know, is one of the bad things about technology, but technology is a double-edged sword and we can use it increasingly. Now we can assemble amazing amounts of data about what's going on in our bodies for just trivial amounts of money, you know, so I'm 
I'm around my office. I've got all sorts of little devices. You know, I can take a picture of the back of my eye and analyze the uh, the uh, pattern of uh, arteries back there to identify diabetic retinopathy and other changes. You know, we've got all sorts of blood tests and you know devices like my you know my little biometric ring. And so now using uh, cloud systems and AI, uh, we can assimilate all this data, uh, analyze it in a way that a human doctor just wouldn't have the time to and we could say hey dude you know you're you're at this point on the curve for developing type 2 diabetes or cancer or what whatever uh, at a point when we can actually reverse it and I think that's the biggest thing I've come to really appreciate. The most disease processes are really, really slow, and then they have an exponential knee, right, where they just take off. Uh, and for most of the diseases we're talking about, it happens about 50 years of age. Our, our risk is real, real low, and then we get into our 50s, and now our risk for cancer and heart disease and all these things goes uh, up dramatically. And it, it just really emphasizes that until we reach that exponential point, that knee of the curve, these uh, diseases are very reversible. We can easily, you know, if we can't catch cancer early, uh, if we uh, catch you while you're uh, becoming insulin resistant before you've developed uh, overt type 2 diabetes, it's easy to, to treat these things. But if we wait too long, uh, then they become really, really difficult to uh, to reverse. And I, I think technology can help us do that early identification um, and help us see the things that we can do to avoid some of those really bad diseases. Wow. Blaine, you got one more question for us? I can't yep. let him go. I'm, I'm, I know that we're running on uh, a little short on the time with this one, so. No, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going a little over just because we're having technical difficulties with Twilla, and I want to learn more from Don. Okay. So, Don, do you have a, a time for one more question for me? Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. good. So, you know, I, I'm I'm really interested in why you haven't quit, right? I, I, I yeah, and, and you know, my my, my eight kids have asked me that the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, could you quickly tell me? You know, you have everything you ever wanted. You've been a success and. I'm sure financially you don't have to work. Uh, you know, why, why do you keep going at the pace you're going? Well, I did, I did. I had a great exit in 2016. You know, I sold a, a company for $1.4 billion. I was still the largest individual shareholder. So you know, I, I took 30 million bucks and gave it to uh, uh, my alma mater, the IU School of Medicine, to start an immunotherapy center, uh, you know, partly to show my kids that like, my life has not all been about making money. You know, uh, making money is, is fine. No, no, uh, no uh, grudges there. But, you know, that shouldn't be that should be a byproduct, not, you know, kind of your whole reason for existence. Um, but as, as corny as it sounds, I just felt like I had something undone that uh, I just really hadn't done what I had, was sent here to do or, you know, however you want to, to phrase it. Uh, it was just I, I, I wasn't satisfied. And so I told my kids, I want to do something in healthcare. And I'm probably going to blow a bunch of money. I'm probably going to fall flat on my face, you know. And, uh, you know, you may see critical articles about your dad in the local business journal or whatever. But I just don't care. 
you know, it's I, I want to jump in and see if I can do something here, you know, to kind of close the circle of my life. I started off, you know, thinking I was going to be a, a doctor or, or really I thought I'd be a biomedical researcher. I ended up going into the software uh, industry and now I really want to kind of close that circle and go back and try to do something in uh, in the area of uh, health. I love it. And we appreciate you continuing on and making our world a better place. And uh, I appreciate also you talk about, you know, not worrying about the FOPO, the fear of other people's opinion, uh, which I try at all times to help my own teenagers uh, understand the value of self. So thank you for that. We appreciate you, Don. Please come back and visit us. You're an incredible. I can't wait to meet you in person when I get to Indiana. Uh, yeah. I'm, at, I'm at Park City, Utah. So you oh, even better. Let's go skiing. Yeah, that's even right. better. All right. Enjoy. Awesome. Don, thanks, thanks for being here. All right. Thanks nice to meet you. Too. Take care. All right. All right. We are very lucky to have Don Brown, but even luckier now to have Twilla True with us. All right. She's here. Family Enterprises. Hello. Unmute yourself, my friend. Welcome to office hours. What a joy it is to have you here. You're still on mute. <laughs> Don't you love there, it? There we go. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's middle of the afternoon. I need my next caffeine opportunity. <laughs> There you go. So I'm so uh, curious about the 1500 Sound Academy and the great yes. success that you had. So I thought maybe you could talk about, you know, the purpose behind and the relationship behind the 1500 Sound Academy and, of course, the True Family Enterprises uh, and how those two may uh, intersect with each other. So 1500, 1500 Sound Academy, it's an incredible thing. Place. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, incredible place. Specifically, as a family office, uh, you know, we have multiple different verticals and things that we do as a family office. I'd always been pitched um, entertainment. Scary place if you don't. <laughs> so, are you getting feedback? Is she getting feedback? Maybe, do you have ear earphones maybe to a no, no, but it's okay. Feedback. So, um, yeah, it can be. Can you hear me okay, though? Oh, that's better. Yeah, it so, bounces a little. Yeah, so got it. Feedback's on. So, um, 1500 Sound Academy, there was a friend of mine who said, you've got to meet these guys, uh, 1500. And so I took a drive down to Inglewood, uh, met Rance Dobson and James Fontenoy. Uh, largest music producers, uh, songwriters, met them in a very humble um, place that they had there in Inglewood, and it was just magic one. You know, their again their humility that lined up with their accomplishments is not something you you see a lot. So for someone like me, that's a lot of people are seasonal people. Um, it was just something that. And and what and what you're trying to do with this is, I mean, the the, the uh, academy is actually. I'm going to just use you know the word incubator here, but basically it's a place where you curate 
you know, you know, musicians that are wanting to make an impact at, you know, in the world. Is that is, is that kind of the nugget of what I you know, got, uh, you know, what you're what you're creating there? Yep. So the way it started originally is that uh, the guys themselves, Grammy Award winning, and if I say any of these things, they either wrote or produced last three albums, Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake, um, Adele, Sam Smith, Daisy, Rihanna, Snoop, you know, these are, they've been in top 20 uh, pop charts for the last um, 15 years. And so we said, great you guys this is what i do let's build some platforms um and figure out what we want to do together so we built the 1500 sound academy now 1500 because the name these two uh really discovered or they came up with a brand their gospel church at a very young age in Inglewood, and uh someone came up to them and said hey how much for you guys to um come and do my event gig they went over to corner talked about it came back to the guy and said 1500 or nothing (laughs) (laughs) there you go that's that's what the name came about so now fast forward where each individual very lucky successful um and so being in the rooms with them what we quickly discovered is that uh when after they took me around and ran me around all these schools, one of us graduated, uh, you know, university or formal education. Not one, you know, mm-hmm. all of them took a road that is very universal to them. Um, only half of them graduated high school, and so what they really, really do is create something that is that was. Uh, here's how we did it. Uh, born and bred Inglewood. Here's how we got there, and here's the lessons we think from their perspective. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. You, and and I know uh, you know. I, I, I wish I had better uh, audit. I want to talk about as well the Trusu Hope Foundation, yes. uh, which are providing the critical aid and empowering tribal members. Uh, to reach their potential uh, through your support and your success. And I think what I'd rather do, Twilo, uh, if possible, I want to have you back on. We'll uh, share more about you and the True Family Enterprises, the 1500 Sound Academy. And of course, I want to learn more about the foundation, if that sounds fair. Fantastic. That would be good. Yeah. Thank you so much. I just I want everybody to hear you. So thank you so much for joining us. And we'll reschedule back on. So come and see Twilla again. Uh, but check her out at truefamilyenterprises.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You Bye. bet. Pleasure having yeah. you here. I love technology until it doesn't work. Until it doesn't work. <laughs> and you know, and then you know, thanks for inviting her back on because that's you know, her story and what she's up to, I think, is yeah. Uh, I mean, we got to hear Don. I, I mean, it, it's, 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 it would be a shame not to hear that and not to give her the uh, the airtime that's uh, necessary for this, not yeah, just for I mean, the 1500 so Academy, but for the other work she's doing as well. Yeah, I mean, we're so blessed to have these extraordinary guests. And speaking of the extraordinary guests, the next one's just going to blow your socks off as well. Uh, we don't let up here on Office Hours, and I'm just amazed at my team with the quality of people that we get on here. Uh, but Ben Nazarian, uh, CEO of Therabody, an incredible company, in my space at least, uh, and just uh, 
an incredible person, an entrepreneur. He is the CEO of Therabody. Welcome, Ben, to Office Hours. Thanks, David. Great seeing you again. Hopefully you can uh, hear me okay. Perfect. We got That's you why we here. have you on. <laughs> That's so, great. Thank you. Know, you. We, we've been talking about technology with all of our guests and you know how it has increased and limited creativity and curiosity and how it has the upsides and the downsides. Uh, but in therapy, uh, mm -hmm. and specifically in the health space, technology has had advancements. You know, when I ran Lee Steinberg, we were talking about, you know, icing mechanisms. And, you know, I've checked out the TheraOne and I can't even believe, you know, from your power dot to the app, what we can do by ourselves at home, let alone, it, it's unbelievable. You know, for someone that's stuck in that space, you know, is there an end to these great technologies? And what exactly have you been able to accomplish today with Therabody's ecosystem of products? Yeah, I think uh, we're really exciting time because a lot of technologies that were only available to pro athletes and cutting edge physical therapists are now becoming mass consumer products. And that's a big driver of what we're looking to do. Obviously, it started with Theragun uh, and pro athletes were already using vibration therapy uh, with a product called DMS, but it was $3,000. And Theragun really made that much more of a democratized product that every one of us can benefit from, not just pro athletes. I would say today there's a lot of uh, other technologies out there. Uh, you know, our mission is to take those products, make them affordable, make them usable in a, in a way that consumers can easily use, uh, make them understandable and help consumers really be educated about those benefits and then why uh, these technologies can help them. And if you put all of that together, then we can really help consumers live a better, healthier life using the most cutting edge technologies that are affordable. And I would say that we're the only company out there that are driving devices, content and services as in a holistic approach to help consumers really drive their personal wellness. Yeah, and which kind of goes all the way back to your original point, Dave, uh, on you know when health is no longer in question. Uh, now I have other wishes that I can actually direct my attention to. So, uh, yeah, the the yeah, I was struck by the word democratization. You know, just kind of making making things you know that were very niched into a very you know, very high level niche you know, in the sports, particularly professional sports. Available almost, you know, and I don't want to uh, denigrate this, but almost, you know, consumer-based uh, access. Yeah, yep. just broad spectrum, from niche to broad spectrum. And the idea that I'd love to hear you talk about a little bit, Ben, is just kind of, the, you know, the, the, the transformation in the wellness industry that will be a consequence of your ability to do that. Because your, your technologies and your products are, are extraordinary. What do you yeah, see going I think on? That, yeah, I think that transformation is really based on, well, let me back up. I think uh, consumers are desiring wellness, especially mm -hmm. because of COVID. Uh, I think people wanted to be living healthier lives to begin with. COVID has accelerated that. People understand that, uh, number one, they have to have a lot more control and input into their uh, overall wellness because maybe they can't rely on the healthcare system. 
maybe they don't have access to it, whether it's because of a lockdown or uh, not being able to get an appointment uh, anytime soon. So people are desiring of this. I think the biggest challenge has been consumers not knowing what's available to them, uh, being afraid of technologies that they don't understand because it's not being presented the right way. Uh, a lot of companies make gimmicky claims, and so consumers are rightfully wary of uh, technologies or products that they don't understand. So a big part of what we've been doing is really explaining the science behind our products. What does it do and the why? And what are those benefits? And that has led to a brand that our consumers tell us they trust. So when we do come out with a new product, uh, they're much more willing to try it because they know that not only have we curated that technology for them, but we've vetted that technology using science to make sure that it's efficacious and will help them. Uh, and that's a big transition that we're making. And I think that's how we're driving the wellness industry. And you really are. And, you know, I get asked a lot uh, just because of my experience with Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon at Sportsman Marketing and all the different, you know, venture capital LPs that I belong to. And looking at a company like yours, it's one of the most credible in the space with the most skepticism and competition uh, because there are some false claims and gimmicks out there and everyone has uh, their, you know, trust and vet at the very least uh, eyeglasses on. And as I look yeah. through the credibility of who in historically and why I always uh, recommend, you know, your ecosystem of products to not necessarily professional athletes who do ask me, but it's well known the credibility in that space with 250, I think, professional sports teams that you work with and you can't even count anymore. I'm old enough. I used to count athletes to work with. I could probably barely count the amount of world-renowned athletes that have invested. I mean, most of the guys, like Kevin Durant and you know, Russell Wilson, Kevin Hart, James Harden, just to name a few, those guys usually get paid to be in deals like this and they're, they're investing in it. That's how much they believe in it. Um, but with that credibility, you know, also becomes great expectations. And we unfortunately uh, had to experience a complete transformation in the wellness industry and in the sports industry. How did that impact you with the huge expectations and financing behind what you're doing with the pandemic and the pivots, pivots and lessons that you needed to learn? Well, I, I think, first of all, you know, pro athletes, their bodies are their entire career. So they're not going to just trust their bodies with any device. And so the fact that they've chosen our products to help them train better, prevent injuries, recover faster, really perform at such a high level, and a lot of times even use it to rehab from injuries, uh, I think is a great validation of the quality of our products. A lot of um, people have bought what we call the, the, the knockoffs, which the quality is not there. It doesn't go as deep into the muscle. The ergonomics are not there. And ultimately, they say, hey, it doesn't do what people say Theragun does. And then they end up returning and buying our product. So I think people are realizing the difference uh, and you get what you pay for. And the, the amount of science and research that we put into designing our products is what leads it to have those benefits. Uh, and people have not been able to really engineer um, the specs to match us. And so they just say, it's the same thing as a Theragun, but it really isn't. I think consumers are, are realizing that. And now we're coming out with different products and 
I'm excited about what is going to be happening next year because we have more products launching in the next 18 months than what we've launched in the past five years. Um, so we have some exciting times ahead of us. Now, I know that when you were five years old, you didn't wake up one day and kind of go, you know, this is the area that I want to work in. <laughs> no, not at all. It didn't even <laughs> exist at that point in time. How did you get into this? I mean, this is a question that I'm always fascinated by with, with you, know, you know, for entrepreneurs. I mean, obviously there was something that you saw as a possibility, but you know, specifically, how did it speak to you and why did you act on it? You know, so I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was involved in many different businesses. Uh, and I remember growing up, he'd always come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this business? Here's the business model for this industry versus this business. And he'd always run it by me. And so I was always fascinated by the concept of starting something new and creating something from scratch, because the pleasure that you get from that, I think is unmatched. So I've always loved doing that. Uh, I was lucky enough to be introduced to Dr. Jason uh, back in 2015. And he had his first generation product, which was not the best looking, most contemporary, high tech looking product, but I've had a, a back problems my whole life due to curvature of the spine. So I've been very, very familiar with different treatments, whether it's muscle therapy to acupuncture to uh, different modalities. And when he tried it on me, I realized there's something different. It, this is not a massager. Uh, and we didn't call it a massager which made it more difficult because people didn't know what percussive therapy was. So how do you explain something that no one even understands, but that's how we created this category and we became the leaders of the category. Uh, and now everyone, uh, whether they're using our product or a different product, they call it a Theragun uh, and, and we're the Kleenex of the category. But when I met him, I realized there's something different. I don't think we realized that we're creating a category that wasn't the business plan. Uh, we really took it one step at a time, and we were just hoping that athletes would understand how this product would help them. And if they were to use it on the court one day, then it would validate the product and get us the attention. And that happened when Kyrie Irving used it during Game 5 of the championship, uh, and it was off to the races after that. Yeah, just an amazing success story. Real quick, last question, Ben. Um, I know you just shared that you have an 18-month roadmap of an extraordinary amount of launches. Are there any products or areas that you can announce here or let us know that will be the first of the year coming out? Anything you can talk about? Yeah. I mean, we, we're really thinking about what do our consumers need help with? Uh, and it's really starting with musculoskeletal issues, chronic pain, uh, there's 50 million Americans who suffer from chronic pain. Theragun is very, very helpful in that regard, but it's not the only product in that, uh, that helps chronic pain and musculoskeletal issues. Uh, that's why we acquired Paradot and we, we launched Recovery Air this year. Uh, we're looking at products that help muscles, uh, skin, and the mind, and taking a very holistic approach to overall health. Uh, and we're doing it with products that are based in science and technology that we know can have a really big impact on uh, our, our community, our customers. So we're very, very excited with uh, uh, what's going to happen in Q1 and throughout the next uh, 12 months. 
That's awesome. My wife was hoping there'd be a hair removal attachment to help me out with my back pain and my back hair. But we'll wait for the next version. I can help co-develop that with you, Ben. As always, you're an extraordinary entrepreneur and friend. What a great success. I love what you're doing. Use the products. Always recommend them, not just to professional athletes, uh, but to especially the weekend warriors, because I actually think it does more good to the weekend warrior than it does to the guys that already know what they're doing. So uh, thank you so much. Come back and visit anytime. You're going to have a lot of launches, so we expect you to use our platform. We'll we'll root you on. I would love that. Great seeing both of you. Thank you. You Take care. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, I'm telling you, we got a powerful lineup. Wait till you see who's coming on next. (laughs) This is my new best friend, Matt Jung. Matt Jung, (laughs) he's awesome. Matt Jung, I I got a a bone to pick with that because – he shipped some cookies to me and he didn't put like only or especially for David Meltzer on them. And so <laughs> my family ate them all. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, he didn't send any to me. So yeah, my, <laughs> my, yeah. <laughs> mine trumps yours. You'll, I'm, you'll I'm actually looking, love this. I'm looking my mom's visiting me and she asked for a box and we finally delivered a box to her and she's here in Minnesota. And she looked at me with this like look of, are you serious? The one time I'm not in Los Angeles, you deliver a box to Los Angeles. Your dad's going to eat all of them. We'll talk about your distribution problem right now. <laughs> he has, he has a demand problem. He re, he really has a demand problem, but uh, too many people love his stuff. And I'm always joking around with uh, the different funds that I work with. Like we got to find a last crumb. they're like what are you talking about like i need a business where literally there's a wait list to eat like it's not even like a line it's like a wait list well we'll get you the cookies like six years from now and we'll still have a wait list but more importantly you are launching a new kitchen um matt and you have an incredible product everybody loves it not just your family uh my family and everyone else's uh but you have these new vip memberships with the new kitchen opening i was hoping you could uh, explain that concept to us and that you're so excited about. Yeah, I think it's been pretty exciting. I mean, uh, you know, we're moving into a kitchen that's about 10 times bigger than our old kitchen, which is mind blowing considering we've only been around for seven months. And then on top of that, what we realized was, you know, we look at it like we're building a luxury brand that just happens to sell cookies. And our cookies also happen to just be the best cookies we've ever had. And I think that One of the things that we decided to do for Black Friday, which was a little controversial, but uh, it was very successful, was we sold actually a membership uh, for the entirety of 2022 that allows you to skip the line. And I always kind of joke that we're building like nightclub economics. You know, there's a line out the front door, there's a VIP entrance, there's the bottle service corporate gifting program. And I think that we have really realized that we have some fanatical um, cookie monsters who are really excited to both buy cookies for themselves and gift them to other people. And so we're, we're basically continuing that. Um, and it really doesn't have anything to do with us saying, well, you have to pay to play. It has a lot more to do with like creating additional perks and like finding really interesting, engaging ways to kind of um, treat some of our most frequent customers, the people who've gotten multiple drops, somehow they've waited on the wait list they sign onto the website, they refresh, and they get a box multiple times that want to keep giving more boxes and buying them. And I think that that's been a really fun and exciting thing for us as we increase our supply. You know, so I, cool. 
I, I love what what you're. I mean, first of all, I love the name Last Crumb. It just evokes this thing about who wants the last crumb. I do, I do. But there, there's something else here about the way that you have positioned the company. Yeah, my my take on a business. Yeah, you know, the purpose of business is to uplift the experience of being alive. That's the purpose of any business: uplift the experience of being alive. Um, and if you do that well, you're going to have people, you know, queuing up around the block. <laughs> you don't just sell cookies. Yeah, there's an experience that you've attached to this that you've identified and that you're leveraging. Who thought that eating a cookie could be an experience destination? And that's I essentially mean, what you're setting up. A hundred percent. And I think that the way that we are building the company pays off that. I mean, I always tell people we had three pillars that we focused on when we built the business. The first was customer experience, digitally and in real life. When you get the box, when you taste the product. The second was positioning ourselves as a luxury brand, which is really, really difficult to do. And then the third most important thing in this order was sales. If we did the first two really well, sales will come because we created an, a category defining and changing product that people are really interested to try and buy again. And I think that that's been really exciting and kind of our true north of the business. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I have a private chat membership and now they're offering... Uh, with the private renewal for 2022 that they'll give me a VIP membership to Last Crumb. And it actually was the deciding factor. So I didn't know I could go direct, but uh, I thought they had some special deal. They're, they're just signing me up. That's amazing. Uh, but it is. That I easier mean, think, <laughs> think about it. it. It's aligned with Inspirato and all types of different luxury, uh, you know, things in our lives. But more importantly, you know, how do you maintain that excitement and quality, you know, take Krispy Kremes, for example, when they franchised out across America, there's a big rage and there's lines everywhere, et cetera. And, you know, it's easy to have a high quality product when you can't keep it on the shelf, but you guys have a product. It seems to me that if it ever would be on the shelf, <laughs> that ever happens, um, you still will be able to maintain the quality you also, because of this idea of the luxury side, should be able to, you know, transcend just cookies into other things that will maintain the excitement where Krispy Kremes was stuck with donuts and coffee. Totally. I think that the, you know, like I told you when we talked prior, you know, we're super focused and we're super disciplined on the one thing that we do really well, which is making this really amazing box of 12 cookies. And I think that like you're saying, there are really great opportunities for us to expand and uh, maybe go into retail, do you know an omakase cookie restaurant, do all kinds of different things, but that's for later. And I think for right now, the thing that we think about and the only thing that we think about is how do we make more cookies that are perfect quality, that are consistent, and we get them into the hands of more people. And, you know, we feel that via the website that we have, you know, our last crumb digital bakery that ships all over the United States, we can really grow our distribution pretty significantly in a way that we think other brands have never done before we even have to start exploring any of those opportunities. And I think that because of the way that we're positioning the brand, the opportunities for collaboration and partnership are going to transcend food. And really, I think we're working on some like really interesting things moving into the future. Like I want to, I want a wheels up jet that's wrapped last crumb. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we're thinking about. And yep. I think that, you know, we think about how do we make it so that 
when you're on your plane flying to your destination, every Wheels Up member is begging to get the last crumb jet. And then not only that, we have a box of cookies waiting for them because we know you're in a rush and you forgot to bring a present to the person you're visiting. And I think like we can pay off these like really uh, fun experiences. And I think on top of that, the reality is that, you know, even you can't get another box of cookies like perfectly easily. And I think that that also makes it fun because while yes, like, you know, there is a celebrity attached to people that can kind of get things that, you know, you and I can't get every day. But even for them, Last Crumb is somewhat unattainable. And that actually makes it really fun because when the box is out, it's out. And unless you have my cell phone, which you do, you know, <laughs> you can't really get another box. <laughs> I love it. I, it's it's brilliant how you've positioned this, Matt. And and I, I mean, just kudos to you and the, and the entire team and and. and and the execution on this. And I mean, you can have a great idea, but if the execution isn't there, uh, all bets are off. And uh, yeah, and, and I circle back to what you've been saying. We're keeping our, uh, you know, our focus on you know, what we do well right now. You know, let's really master this before we start looking at other opportunities. And it's that decision to keep that focus that I think is yeah, worth, worth celebrating as, as you kind of round out the year and set up well, next year. And we, we think a lot about how do we augment it. So in January, we're actually launching the, the third version of our box that is significantly nicer and more of a, a last crumb experience than the previous two. And so I think that the thing that we're also doing is we're continuing to look inward and say, what are we all already doing? The few things that we do and how can we make those even better? How can we make the experience more polished? How can we find a better connection to our customer or, for the people who want to buy a box, the, the shopping cart experience is even more seamless. The box is something that they want to save forever. And I think that that's, I think that's a really important piece of it too, is not just saying, oh, well, we figured it out. Let's just keep doing it. It's how do we make this better so that we're also innovating on what we're trying to build? Yeah. You know, I found, Matt, most evolutionary entrepreneurs become revolutionary uh, in their output and you know, you, this isn't your first startup. You've had, I think, two other businesses at least before this. Um, things have evolved for you. What does that look like for an entrepreneur that's looking and saying, man, I want to be like Matt? You know, you're not an overnight success. You're an evolutionary revolutionary. And what does that evolution, you know, as a last question, look like for you from your other businesses to have learned the lessons to create such a substantial impact in such a short amount of time? That's something I think about a lot, actually. It's been a long road, actually. You know, it's been 15 years of starting up businesses since I was 18. And I think that all of those experiences like brought something else to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that the hard thing that I've had to deal with, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs and founders deal with, is the idea that everyone else is an overnight success, which is the biggest misconception about entrepreneurship. You know, yeah. the, re the reason Last Crumb is so successful is a combination of the founders, myself, the team, and all of our shared experiences coming together to kind of like really build this like momentum that's lightning in a bottle on top of a really great product and a really great experience. And I think that for me, it's realizing that it's not a race and it's okay for it to take a little while. And um, 
and that's hard being like comfortable with the uncomfort is something that I think about a lot is, mm -hmm. and those uncomfortable moments, which I would describe, honestly, this experience right now, just in its trajectory and its growth and the, the leveling up that everyone, including myself is having to do to keep up with last crumb as a business, I think are the moments when you're like really growing. And so I always look to when does it start to feel like it's not uncomfortable and when does it start to feel like it's easy? And that's the moment when something either isn't working or you're really not progressing anymore. And so that's something that I think about a lot in my kind of entrepreneurial journey is looking for that uncomfort. Yeah, well, I, tell I, you I, really, I was going to say, I'd tell you what's really uncomfortable is coming home and seeing the empty box of last crumb. That's very uncomfortable <laughs> for me. And I appreciate your success. Matt, we got to do more. Keep, keep me on your VIP list. I'm going to get that Wheels Up deal done for you because it seems yeah, it right. Put me on now. your VIP list. <laughs> Kenny yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is amazing. You got it. Kenny uh, Dicker, what do you call tonight, man? We're getting the wrap last crumb if it make it my last desires. Thank you so much. Check out Last Crumb. Get on their That's VIP membership. Check out their new kitchens coming. So we're going to have 10 times the amount of cookies out there. That should help us all. Thank you so much, Matt. Come back and join me, okay? Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thank uh, you. You've been great having you on the show. <laughs> what a lineup, man. I don't know what it is about Thursdays, but it's thankful Thursdays. I'm so thankful for having the best lineup of guests. You're talking about billionaires and entrepreneurs in all different realms, and we're so blessed to have had all of them on here. What's your takeaway for the day, Blake? Uh, you did and. Uh... I'm going to go right back to your comment right at the very beginning today about uh, wishes. Wishes, yeah. And that really struck a chord. Uh, when I'm, my health and well-being is not a concern, I, it makes room for all kinds of other wishes. If my health and well-being is, yeah, is a concern, that's the only thing. I wish that I had that. And everything else starts to fall by the wayside. And that's very constrictive. It's very constrictive in the sense of much of what we talk about. You know, the original title of this Thursday show was the soul of business, you know, office hour, the soul of business edition here. And the way that we keep ourselves connected to the soul of anything is when we're not concerned about what we need not be overly concerned with, which is our health and vitality and our aliveness and decisions and choices that we make that compromise our health, vitality and wellness are things that we actually need to pay attention to. You know, we want to, we want to, you know, be be positioned to be healthy. And I'll circle right back to Matt's last closing comment here about being uncomfortable. Doing things that keep us uncomfortable is the way that we keep ourselves alive. I mean, it, it's yeah, settling in on the couch is comfortable, and it's not conducive to my health and well-being. <laughs> so I want to do right. things that keep me uncomfortable, that keep me healthy. So there's a you know, there's a there's a dynamic and a circle to this that I think is worth paying attention to. And I think all of our guests in some way, shape, or form touched on this today. And I I, I just you know value that question, that observation that you uh, you know planted right at the very beginning today. I, I think that was a gem. Well, thank you, and thank you for always being here. My takeaway today is relative to that, and it's simply. All four entrepreneurs that were on the show, these incredible billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, all are a tribute to the enjoyment of the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit, 
pursuit of their own potential, whether it was Theragun, whether it was, you know, the Dr. Don who's incredible or a true family, every single one of them are the epitome of that enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, that backbone of desire to be what you must be. You have helped me uh, tap into that desire as well, my friend. Thank you so much, Blaine, for joining me. Learn.blainebartlett.com for us, LMM. I'm going to get to hang out with Blaine in a couple of weeks, right after New Year's, coming to visit. I can't wait to yep. see you. Thank you, my friend. You bet, my friend. All right. That'll do it for today. It's office hours. Remember, I got the 14-day gratitude challenge. If you want to join that, david at dmelter.com. But most importantly... Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much.